you, thank you, Miss Katie, worship team. Appreciate you guys so very much. Amen. Well, do you have your Bibles tonight? If you do, I hope you do. If you will open them tonight to the book, the Old Testament again tonight, uh, to the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter number 24, the very last chapter of the book of Joshua. Amen. And uh, I want to read beginning tonight with verse number 1. I'll give you just a moment to find it. Joshua chapter number 24 and verse number 1. Amen. Amen. Good to see Dan and Kathleen. They took communion online with us this morning. Praise God. They couldn't be here. They got to, t- got to join us through the live stream and take communion with us. And that was awesome. Praise God. All right. Are you there? Joshua 24, verse 1. Then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem, And called for the elders of Israel, for their heads, for their judges, and for their officers. And they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham, and the father of Nahor, dwelt on the other side of the river in old times, and they served other gods. Notice this. Then I took your father, Abraham, from the other side of the river, led him throughout all the land of Canaan, and multiplied his descendants and gave him Isaac. To Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. To Esau I gave the mountains of Seir to possess. But Jacob and his children went down to Egypt. Also I sent Moses and Aaron. And I plagued Egypt according to what I did among them. Afterwards I brought you out. Then I brought your father's out of Egypt, and you came to the sea, and the Egyptians pursued your fathers with chariots and horsemen to the Red Sea. So they cried out to the Lord, and he put darkness between you and the Egyptians, brought the sea upon them and covered them, and your eyes saw what I did in Egypt. Then you dwelt in the wilderness a long time, and I brought you into the land of the Amorites who dwelt on the other side of Jordan, and they fought with you. But I gave them into your hands. God's kind of trying to tell them that everything happened. He done it. That you might possess their land, and I destroyed them before you. Amen. I want to draw your attention that we're going to talk a little bit about this passage, give you some of the context background. But in verse number 7, where the Lord said there, And your eyes saw what I did in Egypt. And notice this last sentence in verse 7. Then you dwelt in the wilderness a long time. Then you dwelt in the wilderness a long time. And I want to talk to you for just a few moments on a long season in the wilderness. 
That could describe 2020, uh, <laughs> a long season in the wilderness. Father, bless us tonight. Thank you for your word. I ask for your anointing tonight upon this, uh, upon myself tonight as you help me and use me to teach and preach and minister your word to your church tonight. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. And amen. So in this text, Joshua is giving his farewell address to the people of Israel. And he gathers all of the heads of Israel together, as we've seen there, all of the, uh, all of the, the, the leaders in Israel. And they come together and they present themselves before the Lord. And in this text, Joshua gives the historical account of Israel in which God reviewed his past blessings upon his people. And you notice that as we read through that text, and that's why I went ahead and read the, from verse 1 on down so you could get the background. But God, he, he reminds them of all of his blessings that he had bestowed upon them. He told them in verse 2 and 2 through 4 how that he had brought them out of, of Ur of the Chaldees. Then in verses 5 through 7, he told, tells them how he had brought them out of Egypt. And in verses 8 through 13, then how he brought them into the, the, the land of Canaan, into the promised land. So as we read that, we could see that this is God himself uh, speaking through Joshua. And God is, is speaking and giving this recapitulation of Israel's history. And in, in 18 times, and I tried to emphasize those times as I read, but 18 times in this passage of Scripture, uh, the personal pronoun I is used. God speaks of himself and he said, I took, I gave, I have done, I sent, I afflicted, I brought, I delivered, I destroyed. So what God was saying to them, any greatness that Israel had achieved, it was not by what they had done. It was not by their own efforts in any way, but everything that had happened in, to them, God had, had done it for them. It was through God's grace and God's enablement that they had come through everything that they had come through from the beginning to the ending Israel's conquests their deliverances their prosperity um, were because of God and because of God's mercies and because of God's grace and because of God's hand upon them and it was not by their own doing or their own making in any way. We need to learn a lesson from that. Can I get an amen? Because everything that we have as believers today is from the hand of God and by the blessing of God in our life. I've told this before, but um, 
I remember, you know, when we, were, when we were building this building, this facility, I would come over here and pray. And uh, I, was, I can still remember it. I can still see it. And uh, I was walking along up here. I mean, you know, this was just all open, the, just the rafters up there. And I was praying, and I looked up, and I could just see all these rafters, and I saw the sky above it. And I, I said, God, I can't do this. We can't do this. We've got to have you. And, and I'm telling you, I still tell him that on a regular basis. I can't do this. We can't do this. And you got to be the one to do this. Can I get an amen? It's God that gives us his grace. And it's God that gives us his enablement. And every good thing, every good gift, every perfect gift comes where? From where? It comes from above. It comes from the Father of lights. And it comes from God. So in verse number seven, God makes a statement here about his people and he says concerning their wilderness journey, how that he brought them out of the land of Egypt and brought them into the wilderness and God makes a statement there and he said, and you dwelt in the wilderness a long time. Uh, the King James says, you dwelt in the wilderness a long season. Has anybody ever felt like that you've been in the wilderness and it seems like you've been there a long time? I mean, you know, it seems like a long season. And as I mentioned, you know, I, 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 this year, this year um, seems like it's been a long time in a wilderness. How many can agree with that? Somebody had a picture the other day on Facebook. Some of y'all might saw it. I don't even know who had it posted. But it showed a little boy sliding down a, a, a sliding board. And how many of y'all know, you, know what a cheese grater is? Amen. And the slide was a big cheese grater. And it said that that's, like, that's the picture of 2020. Like going down a sliding board that's a cheese grater. Well, it's kindly been that way. And I think we would all agree with that. But uh, it seems like that it's been a long season in the wilderness. In the wilderness, you know, we have to understand that the wilderness is a part of our life as believers, as children of God, because it's in the wilderness that we learn, we learn faith in the wilderness, and we learn to trust God in the wilderness, and we learn to follow God and believe God when we're in the wilderness. And we're all going to have wilderness times and wilderness experiences. But it, and, and it was, I want to say this, it was the will of God for the people of Israel for these people to spend some time in the wilderness. God led them into the wilderness, but God's will for, was for them to spend a short period of time in the wilderness and then go into the promised land, into the land of Canaan. But as we all know, they wound up spending how much time in the wilderness? 40 years total from the time they came out of Egypt but uh, till the time they, they went into the promised land a 40 year journey a, a, and a, a just a, a you know just a few days journey to the promised land to enter into what God had given them into the blessings of God and they wandered in the wilderness 
for 40 years and that surely was a long season and a long time to be in the wilderness. And, and that generation that came out of Egypt, out of all the millions, you think about this, out of all the millions that, of those Israelites that came out of Egypt, how many of them made it to the fullness of the blessing of God? Two. Joshua and Caleb were the only two that made it to the promised land. But, you know, it was a long time in the wilderness. And, and tonight, you know, we, I think we feel like sometimes that we're there. and Maybe you're in that wilderness experience this evening and it's been a long season. But I do believe this. I do believe that, that, that God has a plan for us in the wilderness. But I also believe that God wants to bring us out of the wilderness and into the fullness of his blessing. How many believe that? The wilderness journey and the wilderness experience has a purpose. And God has a purpose for the wilderness. If you are a child of God tonight, in which I'm assuming everybody, most everybody here I believe tonight is saved, but God has a purpose for your life. God has a plan for your life. God is leading you. The Bible says that the steps of a good man, a good woman are ordered by the Lord. So as long as you're seeking the Lord and living for the Lord, God has a purpose and he has a plan for your life. And there's a purpose that God has when we go through the wilderness experience, through the wilderness journey. And uh, I want to read to you, if you want to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 8. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 2 and 3, the Lord tells them what purpose the wilderness had in their lives. Notice what he said. Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 2, And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness. Now that's good to know that when you're in the wilderness, God will lead you. He led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness. Notice, here was the purpose. To humble you and to test you and to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. I believe, and I've said this all the way back to the very beginning before, before the stay-at-home order, before the lockdown, before the shutdown, I preached and I said this was going to be a test that this was going to be a test, that God was going to, through this, uh, through this pandemic, that it was going to be a test for the church, for believers, for Christians, that God would, and here's, here was the test of the wilderness, or here was the purpose of the wilderness, that God would humble and test you and know what was in your heart, whether you would keep His commandments or not. There are, there are, there are many that have not passed the test. Well, that went over good. I have to pencil that in. Did not go over well. Okay. And <laughs> verse 3, I'm still in Deuteronomy 8. So he humbled you and he allowed you. Notice this. He allowed you, speaking of God, he allowed you to hunger and he fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know that he might make you to know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. 
So here was the purpose of the wilderness. God said he allowed them to hunger. He fed them with manna. God was teaching them, testing them, training them, and and humbling them so that they would submit to him and trust him to learn how to trust him in the wilderness. That's what we've got to do when we're in the wilderness. We learn how to trust God in the wilderness to take us through the wilderness. Can I get an amen? See, the wilderness is never a pleasant place to be. The wilderness that they were wandering in was not a pleasant place. In Deuteronomy 8 and 15, and we won't turn there, but uh, you can jot that down and read it later, but, but, but Deuteronomy 8 and 15 tells a little bit about what the wilderness was like. The wilderness was a place of fiery serpents and a place of scorpions and a place of drought and a place of no water. It was, it was a barren place. But but it was in this place, it was in the wilderness place that God was teaching them and they were learning total dependence on God. It was a training ground for them. And can I tell you something tonight, church, that the wilderness experience, that's what it is. It's a training ground. It's, it's, it's like going to basic training. It's, it's going into training. It's a training ground where we learn learn how to have total dependence upon the Lord. And can I tell you tonight that that is what, where God wants us to be and what he wants for us. He wants you and he wants me to trust him totally and completely in everything that we go through and in every area of our lives. And the sad thing is that there are many, just like there were many in this uh, of these people that didn't survive the wilderness, there are many that never make it through the wilderness to the promised land. Are you with me? And we all go through seasons uh, of, of manifold temptations. We all go through times of testing. We all experience, every one of us as believers experience the trial of our faith. Brother Swaggart says it many times, and I happen to agree, that, that faith, all faith, true faith must be tested, and great faith must be tested greatly. And I believe that. So the more, we are, uh, the more our faith grows, the more we will be tested. In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 6, it says, In this you greatly rejoice, Peter says, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So Peter is saying there that our faith, if we have genuine faith, the genuineness of our faith is going to be tested. We're going to go through the fire. We're going to have times that we're in the wilderness experience, but our faith, it's to test our faith and see the genuineness of our faith. Amen? Now in times of blessing, when we're 
enjoying just, you know, everything's going well and the meal barrel is full and we're having all of our needs met. There's a time in prosperity and blessing for us to become self-sufficient, a time that we become self-dependent and we're not as dependent upon the Lord. That's what happened. And I know I mentioned the Laodicean church a lot, but, but that's the church age that we're in now. But that's what happened in the Laodicean church in Revelation 3. They were rich and increased with goods and had need of nothing. And so in that situation, that church had need of nothing. So they didn't feel like they had need of the Lord either. And so that's why when I read this text from Joshua 24, I wanted to point out to you all the times that God said, I did this, I did this, I did this. In other words, I was in control of everything you were doing in every part of your life. God said, I was leading you, I was guiding you, and I was in control. So, so in those times, we don't ever want to come. Listen, we don't ever want to come to that place of self-sufficiency when we just coast through life and we don't have to depend upon the Lord. God does not want us to be in that place where we are self-dependent. So he allows us to go through seasons of wilderness experiences as he said there in Deuteronomy to humble us and to teach us to trust in him and to depend upon him and to teach us how to trust and to believe in him. So when you are in the wilderness, then the, you have, you know, when you're going through that wilderness, you have, here's your alternatives in the wilderness. You can either believe God and trust God to take care of you in the wilderness, or you can do what Israel did most of the time. You can gripe and you can complain and you can sing oh, oh, gloom, despair, and agony on me, deep, dark depression, and excessive misery. Come on, somebody. Those are our two alternatives. We either trust God to bring us through when we don't understand, when we can't see the light at the end of the tunnel or we just throw up our hands and complain and give up. Well I'm telling you what, I'm not in the mood for giving up. Come on somebody. Hallelujah. I believe we're going to press through this. Hallelujah. It's in the wilderness that you, when you cannot provide for yourself, that you must depend on him and not in yourself. It's in the wilderness that we learn that God will always take care of us and that God will never leave us and he will never forsake us. It may look like at times that we're not going to make it, but I'm telling you if we will hold fast to our faith and trust in the Lord that God will always, I'm going to say it again, God will always, he will always see us through. He's not going to forsake us and leave us in the wilderness. Hallelujah, he will bring us through. Come on and give him praise. Woo! He told them there in Deuteronomy 8, he allowed them, verse 3 and 4, you know, I read verse 3 already, but how that he allowed, he said, I allowed you to hunger. He allowed that to happen. I said he allowed them to hunger. And he fed them with manna. Said to make you know that man will not live by bread alone. But man lives by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. In verse 4 he said your garments, your clothes, the clothes on you. 
did not wear out on you, nor did your foot swell these 40 years. Praise God. What was he saying to them? I'm trying to tell you something, amen, that through the 40 years in the wilderness, God was saying, I took care of you. You didn't hunger. You didn't go without. I gave you manna. Glory to God. Every morning there was manna. Your clothes that you put on, they didn't wear out. They wore the same clothes for 40 years. They wore the same. They didn't have a Walmart. They didn't have a Kohl's. Glory to God. They didn't have a mall. Amen. But they didn't have have any place to go get new clothes or new shoes. I can't imagine my wife having the same pair of shoes for 40 years. <laughs> or any woman, yes, for that matter. Praise God, but they did. And, and, and here was the thing that God was saying to them was, I took care of you. You didn't lack for anything. My Lord, every morning, here's how faithful God was, that every morning when they got up and went out, there was the manna on the ground for them to gather up for that day and for that day only. And he was so faithful that when they got up the next morning, there was the manna on the ground. And that's why Jesus taught us in the, in, the, in the model prayer to pray, give us this day. Give us this day. You know what our problem is? We're worrying about tomorrow and we're worrying about next week. You just be concerned. Jesus said, don't take thought about tomorrow, but you just be concerned about this day. You give me manna for this day. You give me bread for this day. You provide, Lord, I pray for this day. And you take it one day at a time and God will see you through. I don't care how long the season is. I don't care how long the time is that you go through the wilderness if you will believe God God will see you through the wilderness I said God will bring you through the wilderness Woo! hallelujah the shoes and their clothes didn't get old and the Bible says Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10 I believe it was that that the rock you know he gave them water out of the rock and it said that rock followed them and that rock was Christ. That's what Paul said. Some, Bible, some theologians and scholars say that, that, that that literally means that that rock that the water came out of was just... It showed up. Everywhere they went, the rock followed them, and the water was there. There was water every single day in the wilderness to slake the thirst of these, however, two, three million people that were there in the wilderness. God took care of them. But notice in Deuteronomy 8, again, in verses 15 and 16. He said, who led you, speaking of the Lord, he led you through that great and terrible wilderness, who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you, and notice this, and that he might test you to do you good in the end. Do you notice those last few words? To do, what was the wilderness experience to, what was the purpose for it? What was the end result to be? What did God desire for that wilderness experience for them? That he would test them and what? 
do you good in the end. I'm about to have a, a Pentecostal runaway here. See, the end result, this is the end result of any test, time of testing, and the end result of the wilderness experience is to test you so that God can do you good in the end. That is the promise. I'm going to tell you, yeah, it's been a long year. It's been a long season. We're already in September. We're, we've got a few more months to the end of the year. It's been a seeming long time in the wilderness. But I am standing here, I believe tonight, with a word in my heart from the Spirit of God that the Lord is saying, I've been with you through it all, abundant life, and I'm going to bring you through it. I'm going to bring you through it to the end. And in the end, I'm going to do you some good that you don't have any idea what I've got in store for you. I believe that. Can I get somebody to believe that with me tonight? Woo, if I didn't believe that, I'd, throw, I'd fold up my Bible, I'd pack up my stuff, and I'd go home and I wouldn't come back. I got to have some hope. I got to believe that in this wilderness, God has got a purpose and he's gonna bring us through and he's gonna do us good in the end. Come on, somebody. Woo, I know the best thing could happen be just to leave here. That'd be the greatest thing, amen? Oh, we have that wonderful promise from God in Isaiah 43. Verse 2, we all know it. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. And when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. See, glory to God. He will. God will allow you to spend some time in the wilderness, but often, but often we are there longer than God intends for us to be. So what caused Israel to spend so much time there in that wilderness? What was the problem? What kept them there for so long? Well, the main reason was their unbelief. Hebrews 3.19, the writer there, Paul, says that we see they could not enter, speaking the promised land, of the promised land, that they could not enter because of unbelief. In the fourth chapter of Hebrews, verse 2 and 3, he said, For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but notice this, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. So I swore in my wrath, you shall not enter my rest. So there the, the writer says, the apostle says, that it was because of unbelief. It was because that the word of God that was preached to them, they didn't take it and believe it. They didn't believe it and mix faith with it. Listen, I stand up here on Sunday mornings, Sunday nights, Wednesday nights, and deliver the Word of God and preach the gospel to you to the very best of my ability. I sow the seed of the Word of God into your heart. I pray for you. I pray for you. I prayed for you this morning that your hearts would be softened and prepared and opened to receive the seed of the Word of God. But when I sow the seed, you've got to believe what it says and you've got to mix your 
faith with the Word of God or it will not profit you. Just hearing the Word's not profitable. We have to be doers of the Word. We have to put faith, our faith to the Word and mix our faith with the Word of God. And so that's what happened to them. It didn't profit them because they didn't mix the gospel message, the Word that they heard with faith. And so the Lord said in my wrath, it angered him, and he said, they shall not enter into my rest. We know the story, don't we? I'm not going to go through it all. You can mark it down, write it down, and read it for yourself. But it was found in in Numbers, chapters 13 and 14 of Numbers, where the spies were sent out to spy out the land. The 12 spies go, and for 40 days, they search out the land. They had been out of Egypt for just a, a few days, a short period of time. It was time for them. It was God's time for them now to go into the promised land. Amen. This was just a few weeks or days after they had left Egypt. But um, they sent the spies over to spy out the land. They saw the land was everything that God said that it was. They saw that the promised land was a land that flowed with milk and honey. It was a much, much better land than that wilderness they were coming through. They, they cut down a cluster of grapes. You remember that? A big cluster of grapes. It was so big. Brother Derby, it was so big they had to put it on a staff and, and put it between two men to carry. I don't know how big they were. They, have you ever seen a grape as big as your fist? I don't know, but they were that, the cluster was that big. They took two men to carry that cluster of grapes, and they, they spied out the land. They came back, but the only problem was, in, in spite of all the good that was there, they came back, and there were some there were some problems in the land. There were some enemies in the land. There were some giants in the land. And the son of, of the Anakim were there. The, the, they were in, in, in part of the land. And they were giants. They were men of great stature. And, and these 12 spies saw the land and the fruitfulness of the land, but they also saw the giants. And when they came back, they gave they gave the report. They said, this is the land that we went in to spy out. This is what God has, has, has said, and it's everything that God said that it was. It truly is a land that flows with milk and honey. It truly is a blessed place. It truly is just as great as God says that it was, but, but nevertheless. They stuck that little nevertheless in there. But nevertheless, there are, we saw there the sons of Anak. We saw there the giants in the land and we looked at them and we made us feel like grasshoppers we were like grasshoppers oh little grasshopper in their sight and they were you know they, they were just so big and so mighty and so we can't there's no way that we can go in and possess the land but there was two in that crowd thank God you know you can't always go by the majority report there was thank God two in that crowd that stood up one Joshua and one Caleb that had a spirit of faith that stood up and they said, yeah, hey, hold on, hold on, because everybody was getting worked up. This, this, this majority was telling them we can't do it. This majority had a negative report. This majority was looking at the giants instead of the promise. Come on, somebody. I know ain't nobody here does that. Hallelujah. But here was these two men of God that stood up, and they said, hey, hold on, everybody calm down. Yeah, there's giants there. We saw them too, but our God's bigger than the giants. 
our God's able to bring us through. And if he promised us the land, he will conquer the giants. Their defense is departed from them. They can't overcome our God. Hallelujah. And glory to God. But they would not listen to the good report, the faith report, the positive report. They wanted to listen and did listen to the negative report. And because of their unbelief, they refused to believe the promise of God. They spent 40 years in that wilderness. The word preached to them. The promise preached to them. What God had told them had no effect on them because they did not mix that word with faith. If we today fall into that doubt and unbelief, ladies and gentlemen, doubt and unbelief will bring the same result in our life. We'll wander in the wilderness and never enjoy the blessings of the promised land. I want God's best in my life today. Come on, somebody. Woo, hallelujah. It's unbelief that will keep us in the wilderness of defeat and sickness and fear and bondage to sins and addiction. It's unbelief that will keep us in the wilderness and in the dry place and in the desert place in our experience with the Lord where we won't have the joy of our salvation. It's unbelief that will keep us from experiencing and enjoying the benefits and the fullness of the promises of God and the blessings of God that He has promised us in Christ Jesus and what He's provided through His finished work at Calvary. It's doubt and unbelief tonight, folks, that will prevent you from moving out of the place of just enough to the place of more than enough. It's unbelief that keeps many from crossing over into that fullness of the blessing of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm here to tell you tonight that it's been a long season in the wilderness, but I've made up my mind tonight I'm not dying in this wilderness. I'm not staying in the God's bringing us through this thing. Are you with me tonight? Woo, hallelujah. He's bringing us through. He's either bringing us through or he's taking us out. But he ain't leaving us in the mess. The cure for this long season in the wilderness is simply believing God and putting our faith in the promises of God and believing and acting on what he said. Believe what he says and claim the promise as your very own and thank him for it and you know, we've got to go in and take the land, possess the land. They sing that song on uh, SBN, you know. I, uh, we are able to go in and take the country and possess it from the Jordan to the sea. Well, we are able, we are well able because Jesus died to purchase that promised land for us, the blessings of the fullness of the gospel of Christ. And everything that Jesus died for to, to, um, to, to provide for you is yours, but you have to possess your possessions, possessions and go in and take that promised land. So we must tell the devil, I don't care what 
you say, Mr. Devil. I don't care what it looks like. There may be giants there. It doesn't matter how big those giants are that stand before me. I still believe the promise. I'm going to mix some faith with the gospel, with the promises. Hallelujah. I'm going to focus on it. Here's what you got to make your mind up, ladies and gentlemen, to focus on the promise and not focus on the problem. That was the problem, see, with the the 10 spies. They couldn't get the giants out of their mind. But the thing with Joshua and Caleb, they couldn't get the promise of God out of their mind. Hallelujah! It does make a difference what you think and what you believe and what you, what you, what you, what you keep your focus and what you keep your attention on. Amen? So I know there are huge situations and problems and insurmountable things that, 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 are, that are standing against us, that are standing against the church. Um, there are problems the churches as we mentioned this morning in California that they're facing out there and uh, problems there and Satan you know he's raising up rising up against the church of the Lord Jesus Christ and he'll tell us that we cannot overcome and he'll tell us that there's no victory that we cannot experience that victory in our life over sin over those problems he'll tell us that our prayer will never be answered that we'll never be healed that the need will never be met but I'm here to try my best to encourage you tonight to mix some faith with the promise that you have from God and believe what the word of God says even in the face of opposition even in the face of the giants hallelujah do not doubt and do not waver but take your stand because listen it's only through faith in Jesus Christ and standing on his word that will shorten your stay in the wilderness journey God's bringing us through. For 12 years, talking about a long time in the wilderness, 12 years, a woman with an issue of blood suffered from the hands and at the hands of many physicians, spent all of her, all of her money, everything that she had to try to get better, but she couldn't. Twelve years in the wilderness. A long, that's a long time to be in the wilderness of sickness. But one day she heard about Jesus and she made up her mind and she said, if I can touch the hem of his garment, if I can just get to where Jesus is, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. And you know the story. She got to Jesus. She touched Jesus. Glory to God and a long time in the wilderness in, ended instantaneously when she touched the hem of his garment. There was a man at the pool of that pool of Bethesda was laid there every day. 38 years he was infirm. 38 years. That's a long time. That's the same amount of time that Israel wandered. He was a type of that. 38 years in the wilderness laying there by the pool of Bethesda. At a certain season an angel came down. Troubled the waters. First one in gets healed. And for 38 years he laid there. Never got in. Never got healed. Amen. He was, you know what his problem was? You know what his problem was in his wilderness? He was looking for somebody to solve his problem. He was looking looking for man because listen when Jesus got there and said will you be healed will you be made whole and he said well I would be but I don't have nobody to put me in the water 
He was, that tells us where his faith was. He was dependent upon man. He was dependent not upon the Lord. But I'm going to tell you what, his deliverance, you know, his deliverance, the time of his deliverance came at those seasons when the angel troubled the waters and he missed it. But I'm going to tell you when he looked to Jesus and he obeyed, the wilderness journey ended because a 38-year uh, disease ended when he was healed. Jesus said, said, just take up your bed and walk. And he was healed immediately and healed instantly. His wilderness journey ended. Paul and Silas knew how to pray and praise God. Amen. Praise their way to a short stay in the wilderness. And that's what we've got to learn to do in our wilderness experience. To believe God, to pray, to praise him. Worship team, make your way back. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. I love this verse of, of Scripture. It's a wonderful promise we need to hang on to. And the Apostle Paul said, And let us not be weary. Let me read that again. Let us not be weary. Anybody ever get weary? Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season, due season, we shall reap if we do not faint. I believe that our due season of blessing is coming. I believe that the best for the church, for the, for the true church, you can believe one or two things. You can either believe we're a backslidden church or we're a part of the true remnant. I, I choose to believe we are a part of the true remnant, the true church. Amen? There is an apostate church, but ALFC ain't it. Come on, somebody. And in this, I believe God has got a blessing on the way. If we will not faint and we won't get weary and we won't give up and we won't stop believing God, God will bring us through the wilderness into the fullness of his blessing. And I really, I just sense it in my spirit. I don't know what it is, but I know that God has something good in store for this church. I know he does. The wilderness... His end, his end purpose in the wilderness, what did I read to you a while ago? Was to do them good in their end. So we got to make up our mind. We're coming through this thing. Woo, we're not going to give up. We're not going to quit. There's been some that have fell by the wayside. There's been some that haven't stayed with us. But thank God for y'all that have. We're coming through to the promised land. Stand with me tonight. Come on.